This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Doug. Doug, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Ooh, hello, all you wonderful, sexy mutant goons from beyond. Yeah, New Year, same intro. That's what I'm all about. But this kicks off the theme for this month, which is New Year, new movies. And not new movies, because the movies that we're talking about this month are old AF, but movies with the word new in the title, because we're cheeky. Isn't that fun, Doug? Oh, yes, yes. I I agree with that, and I hope all of you do, too. (laughs) So uh, you and I are going to talk about Bloody New Year. And it's funny that that it's Bloody New Year because it's a British film. How unique. I don't know that we've done one of those for a long time. No, we haven't. I mean, unless you consider Jack Frost, but that was a British director. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So this movie kind of, I've talked to you about it and and the rest of the goons. It, my brain, it proves that my brain is a bucket of just dick wiener wads because I had completely transversed this movie with April Fool's Day. Like they were completely transposed with one another. And it's crazy to me because as I was watching it for this episode, I was like, oh, wait, no, that's not this movie. Oh, that, oh, this movie. Oh, this is going to happen. Nope. And then before I realized, I was like, my brain had just mushed it together. Do you think that's just my brain or is it also the fact that this movie makes literally no sense? No, I I mean, maybe it's your mind trying to forget. Maybe you watched them at the same time back to back and it was just trying to forget this one here because honestly, I got a scary story to tell you about this one. But uh, the crazy thing is this movie just doesn't make any sense. And the thing is, the director's done other things in the past. And it's not like he's like a visionary, you know, like like an artiste like uh, David Lynch where all the shots are purposeful or, you know, all the editing is just done for a reason. No, this was just like a hodgepodge and his other films aren't like that. So I wonder what was going on with this one. Well, it might have something to do with the script because I was looking at Fraser Pierce. This is his only writing credit and everything else he does. He's like art department and stuff. And so, you know, think about like movie John Wick, right? John Wick written by a stunt guy to stunt strengths. And then you watch this movie and it's like, oh, I could see how an art director or somebody in the art department could work and try and do visual cues. And I could see how like some of these things are meant to be visually striking, but they're just so weird and obtuse that I stop thinking about what's happening. And I'm trying, trying, trying to think of why it's happening. And my brain is just failing. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. What it reminded me of, like in the opening of it, um, if you you could intercut the two footages between. But there's an episode of Mr. Bean where he's at the uh, (laughs) (laughs) and it was London, too, you know, and he was at the uh, the fun fair. And it, it's intercut between all these people screaming in the in the fun park and stuff. And uh, yeah, you watch that. and It's almost like, oh, I'm watching Mr. Bean because everyone's got a thick British accent. But no. So that's kind of crazy. And then there's one girl in here that has the thickest British accent I've ever heard and doesn't happen to help that she looks like Pamela Voorhees with a blue sweater and all. Right. But- yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, her voice in there, it's that's like pure cockney. It's like, hey, have a little bit of look at this. I, <laughs> <laughs> I think the cockney Doug is better than French Doug. Oh, my, yeah, my, uh, I don't, I don't learn the best languages in, in accents. So forgive me. But you mentioned Mr. Bean, one of my favorite things of all time. Does it blow your mind to think that there are only 15 episodes of Mr. Bean? Yeah. I thought that, and then even less than that, but the thing is yeah. that just shows you that his comedy, um, you know, it, it just works. It's memorable it, even with 15 episodes. Cause the thing is you could watch Mr. Bean in any country, yep. uh, in any language, and you know it's all make the same sense. So it's comedy everyone can understand. Yeah, it's Charlie Chaplin, it's Harpo Marx. I mean, pantomime is huge, and uh, I mean he's just hilarious. You know, and that there's a reason why that is tra- you know traversed the bounds of times. Whereas like Black Adder goes forth has not gone forth into the new millennia. But anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about Bloody New Year, a 93 minute whirlwind directed by Norman J. Warren. You might remember him as the guy who directed Inseminoid, Satan's Slave, Prey, and Terror. And like you said, this dude like has chops. Like Those movies are, albeit some of them sexist or whatever, are good, well-made movies. And then this movie is so scattershot. I'm like, what happened, bro? Like, was it the cocaine? <laughs> yeah, or just trying to think of, I feel like Norman J. Warren for these ones here was kind of seeing what was popular in the 80s, because this came out in 87. So I saw you had listed here, April Fool's Day, Evil Dead, and The Shining. Yeah, those are what and, I, I thought you combine those three movies, that's how you get here, I think. Yeah, with just, and I feel like they were all trying to do it. They're like, oh yeah, this movie had something like this, so let's go like this here. And none of it makes any sense at the end of the day. You even get a uh, 
I mean, you get some pretty cool ghosts in this film. You get a fucking, uh, it's a, it's a new post duck on the <laughs> stairs. Yeah. So I don't know any other movie that has an evil, uh, stair post. <laughs> yeah. And then you got the bombardier and stuff and, you know, getting forward into the narrative. Like the reason why I put the shining is like the construct of this place and it's a hotel and there's ghosts in the hotel and it's so heavy on that. But then some of the, you know, zomboids or whatever you want to call them are very deadite in nature. And then, you know, the the whole construct of just like goofy teens, like, aha, we're having a laugh. It's like the beginning of this movie is so like porkies or whatever, you know, where there's like the guys harassing the girl and they have like a little romp adventure. And then come to find out the same director did a movie called Outer Touch or Outer Spaced or Spaced Out. But it was one of those like cheeky sex comedies, kind of like a British porkies. I'm like, oh, OK, like I could I could kind of see that. So that whole thing. It's like 11 minutes or so that makes no sense with the rest of the movie. Like it's supposed to endear you to these characters, but it's like, but wait, where, why are they on a schooner? Like what's happening? Oh yeah. And they don't even have conversation. They just kind of like uh, the one guy, he pulls out the fuse from the right. And he just, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, who does that? This guy's like in his mid thirties. Nah, 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 nah. What? And uh, not to mention too, the, the bad guys in this film are like uh, like two middle-aged greasers with like jean jackets. And all, all of a sudden, like the, the big b- baby boomer guy that's running the ride, he becomes one of the villains, too, by chasing them through the, the carnival. At, right? Uh, it just doesn't make sense. Dude, if anything, that guy should be calling a fucking lawyer because when that dude gets domed in the head with the ride, like I would definitely be careful of a, a lawsuit there. That's one of my favorite parts of the whole fucking movie. Oh, yeah. And then it makes it scarier, too, when you realize they don't have health insurance. So, yeah, right. (laughs) Well, that's what happens. when You have social health care. I'm getting political. (laughs) Oh, no worries. We got to wrestle a few feathers because we're the what what do they say in the comments? The soy boys or the we're bug men, bug men. I don't know. Still know what the fuck that means. I'm so (laughs) amused by it. So anyway, it opens up in May of 87, which doesn't make any sense because why would you put a January movie in May? But then, Doug, this is why, because it's also the Time Warp Terror was another title of this film. And that's where I think there's a little bit of brilliant marketing here. I think some people saw this fucking movie and were like, you know what? It's not bad, but it's not good by any stretch of the means. So what we're going to do, we're just going to take a holiday that's not taken and maybe kind of related to time. Oh, New Year. And we're just going to slap it on as New Year because I've certainly never seen England so sunny in the winter. But there you go. Because I was telling you, if it wasn't for the fact this was themed with New Year, I never would have seen this movie more than once. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's pithy, it's weird, it's fun, it's out there. But this isn't something I would ritualistically watch. But because it's one of the few New Year's films, I've watched it like five or six times. Much, you know, it doesn't deserve it. Oh, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Because the uh, the VHS cover for this movie has nothing to do with the film either. It's a plastic skeleton with like uh, party favors. It's so, it's such a good poster though. And they clearly ripped off the Evil Dead 2 poster because it has living eyeballs and then evil dead 2 came out obviously march of 87 so if you factor in the time of promotion for that that poster probably predates this movie by like a year so i guarantee some dude was like you know what i don't even know who the fuck is in this movie what's it about huh never mind i'm just gonna go to a middle school science class take their skeleton and go to party city i got this Oh, yeah. And what what a disappointment, too, because you watch the movie like when I first watched it and I'm just like, where the fuck is this skeleton? He's not in there. So it kind of did the same thing that uh, if you remember the original Funhouse poster with the jack in the box uh, with the axe. Yeah, I, I was like, why is that not in the movie? That gave me nightmares, like just seeing that as a kid. So yeah, definite ripoff. And I honestly like there is nothing to do with New Year's in this at all, like at all. And it, not that like I hinged on it, but even knowing that just because I in my little peon human brain think bloody New Year, I watched it at New Year's, even though it like end of days is more of a New Year's movie. Terror Train is more of a New Year's movie. What the fuck am I doing watching this? But I, you know, it's it's like I said, it's not good, but I like it and it's fun. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much you're watching it like uh, you'd say like, oh, I'm going to watch Brave Little Toaster on Thanksgiving because it involves <laughs> yeah. it has food. It has food appliances in there. You know what I mean? It's like, it <laughs> yeah, it's tenuous, but it's there. Right. Yeah. And uh, another thing, too, with uh, with Bloody New Year, the whole thing with the uh, like, for example, the British accents are just so it, it's hilarious there because like there's ghosts. There's so many random scenes and like so many just random stuff that happens. And uh, the the couple that goes in the one that looks like Pamela Voorhees, they go in and literally ghosts are right in front of him. 
And they'll say, Oi, well, all right, what's all this in? <laughs> it's like, Hello, governor. Is you yeah. a ghost? Yeah. So they're like, I'm not, I'm not scared of nothing. No, no. He, those ghosts won't get here in a hurry. Like when they shut the <laughs> And they're like, This movie features the horniest women outside of porn I've ever seen. I have never seen a woman so goddamn thirsty for a man who's just like, Oh, we can't have sex on this pool table. Let me tell you something, Doug. My wife ever is like, hey, you know what would be fun? Fuck on this pool table. I don't care if we're at a church ice cream social. I'm clearing off that goddamn thing, and I'm going to try and get a hole in one. That's a that's a billiards term, right? Hole in one. <laughs> I, I, I think that's golfing, but uh, I was going to say, you know where I can stick this eight ball? <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, do we... What's hard about this movie, man, it's breaking my brain because, like, how the fuck do we go through a narrative? We don't go through a narrative on a movie like this, right? Like, just the stuff happens. The yeah, end. I mean, exactly. And the thing is, there is no real narrative. It's just a couple, uh, the first half of the carnival stuff, that's irrelevant to the plot later on. And uh, it's just a bunch of people, like, uh, going into this haunted hotel on an island. They could clearly don't, you know, take a boat back out, but... No, they just decide to walk around and be like, oh, all this ghost stuff is funny. Oh, what's all this then? The film is playing on the background. Who would play a film to an empty theater? Yeah. And then all of a sudden that guy jumps out and, and it has nothing to do. And like literally the guy pops out of the screen. Yeah, the sheet he, guy. Yeah, the sheet guy. And he's strangling the friend on the floor. And all the other friends look at him like, oh, what's he doing? Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Help. First off, what? But like. I don't know. Maybe I've just seen too many like dark ass films, but I expected what I expected to happen the first time I saw this was it was going to get like eight millimeter, right? Where they're watching this footage and it's like, oh, this is fun. And then all of a sudden it's going to get a little dark. Like, oh, that's a little weird. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, somebody being disemboweled and they're like, what is this? But instead it's Ghost Man, which is weird, but I kind of like it. <laughs> Ghost Man. Yeah, I mean, and it has nothing to do that. The monsters never pop up again. There's no real explanation for any of them that pop up, except like a, there's a plane crash from like World War II. And you think those are the ghosts haunting it, but no, it's 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 the party goers. And uh, another thing too, this is the only film I've ever seen that has basically an evil laugh track. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, when they're running through the woods and it does that uh, Evil Dead POV style. Imagine that, but with a laugh track and they're afraid of it. So. It's so interesting to me. And like, you know, you touched on it. So there's the whole like subplot, like if you call it a subplot, where, you know, there's the plane that crashed in World War II and it's had some kind of technology on it, some technological MacGuffin. And it, so it's talking about t like temporal displacement. So you're thinking, oh, so these aren't like ghosts. These are people who are like lost in time. But then it's like, no, they're kind of ghosts because they keep dying and then they become these people. And that's the whole thing is they're trying to like bring more people in to their fucking like ghost cult dance thing. It's just it's all over. It is even the beginning of the film when that girl like uh, she goes off the conga line and then gets grabbed into the mirror. It's never explained. It pops up later in the end, but it still doesn't make any sense at all. And like it's it, it was that here was that somewhere else like well, I don't understand what's happening is it showing that they can like go through me like that'd be kind of fun like your ghost is going through mirrors like Mirror Master or whatever from DC but you know everything is so hodgepodge I just don't know and it's not beautiful enough to where I'm like okay. And like the weird juxtaposition with the beginning, it's not like a movie like Parasite where it's like, oh, we're trying to show you like these are characters and this shows how fucked the situation is. It's just like this is some campy like comedy thing and this is not that and they're not related at all. Did you get that vibe? Like, were you able to connect the dots? Because I had a really hard time with that. Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying. I wasn't able to connect to the dots because this is like my fourth time watching this film. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's still like literally you could turn off the volume and just watch it. It's basically just images. And I think that's where it comes to that uh, writer who was an art director. He probably thought in his head images. Yeah. So less than a movie. It's more like little sequences with just random Whatever they have, like they're like, oh, we have uh, we have levitating utensils we can throw at the camera. Let's just get a random shot of people running and, and uh, appliances flying all over the place. Yeah, and it's not like these things are done with the sense of the thing speaks for itself or where it's trying to subvert your expectation, right? Like when you have the time machine thing on the beach with the crashed plane and then you go to the ghosts, it's not distinct enough to where it's like trying to be like, haha, we got you. You thought it was science, but it's this. For all I know, it's both. Like, I don't know what to, how to reconcile that story. Yeah, I I really don't know. But I mean, there's some cool monsters in here. And that's probably why you forgot a lot of it. But there, there's this movie has an evil tablecloth. Yep, uh, an evil tablecloth. Uh, you got the fishing net. That's a fun one. 
Oh yeah, the fishing net. Um, the Sheik. I mean, it's just it, it's random. Like Gilly Suit Man. A, Gilly, yeah, Gilly Suit Man. Who turns the into angry- like a green table, right? Yeah, honestly, I don't remember what happened. It's just so much stuff randomly happens. I don't even remember a lot of the characters' names in there. Oh God, no. Uh, yeah, and, and another thing too. I think we mentioned it before, but um, when people when when ghosts get shot in this movie, their wounds fart. It's so good, dude. It's so amazing. You got the girl with who looks kind of like Pat Benatar, uh, who's got like the half stone stucco face. And so she gets shot once and she's like, whatever, that ain't shit. Then she gets shot again. And she's like, oh, I farted out my asshole. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to fall down. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, and she just keeps popping up. She's like a poor man's uh, Freddy Krueger. But um, I mean, that would be cool. A, a ghost Pat Benatar in, in Pamela Voorhees sweater. You know, Hell they yeah. can make action, action figures for her. But, uh, you know, alas, I don't know. What people thought of this movie besides, you know, just randomly renting it because it's a New Year's themed case. Yeah, with her uh, flatulence, her debut single would be Love is a Butthole Field. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I have to crowbar it in somehow. And I don't know enough Pat Benatar songs besides that. Sorry. <laughs> well, no. Hey, Send that- us your best Pat Benatar fart puns at slasherspot at gmail.com and we'll share them on the show. Yeah, please do. We'll share them and uh, say the jokes and uh, we won't credit you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. So I got a little story to tell you here about just a weird instance that I've had with this film. So back when I was around a teenager, I used to go to like the old mom and pop video stores and I'd see this film, like the case for it, uh, available for rent. And, uh, you know, months went by because I kept going to the video store and they never had it. They never had it. So I finally go up and I grab the case and I say, oh, hi, I'd like to rent this movie. And she's like, that movie? They've never returned that. Uh, and, and I'm just like, oh, well, uh, how long has it been? So it's been a few months since they've returned it. And I'm like, okay, well, I really want, really want to see this movie. And this was before Internet Kids. So you couldn't just go to YouTube and watch like an upload on there. Which it's like, free on to, YouTube, mind you. Yes, it is free on YouTube and Tubi, I believe. But um, yeah, so it was the hard way. So this movie kind of haunted me because I was so intrigued by that cheap skeleton with the uh, party favor cover. Yep. So, so yeah, what happened was I finally ended up finding a copy at a flea market. And I take it home and the, the fucking the tape breaks on the spool. So it's Whoa. like, what the hell is going on? It's like, I can't find this movie anywhere. It's like, it's like haunting me. Like, why can I not see this fucking movie? And um, I just kind of forgot about it because the tape broke and I had it on my shelf for a bit. And then one of my friends, uh, Kevin E. Scott, um, who we've done uh, you know a bunch of YouTube videos together on, he ha- he's a big horror fan. And he had a similar story without me even saying anything about the movie Bloody New Year. He's like, you want to know what? I had a VHS copy of Bloody New Year and I haven't because I, I was showing him my tapes. And I pulled out Bloody New Year and then the cover just kind of, he's like, oh my God, get that away from me. I said, why? What's wrong? He said, Bloody New Year, when he got the tape, he got nauseously ill because the movie didn't make any sense, but he just felt ill while watching it. Yeah. And he threw up. And then when he took the tape out, um, he just kind of stuck it on a shelf because he hated the movie. And that skeleton was just, you know, it was that case was just sitting there and he would feel nauseous every time he'd walk by it. So he ended up uh, just, you know, kept throwing up and throwing up every time he looked at the case, he'd get nauseous. So what he did is he chopped it up and he threw it in the trash and got rid of it. Wow. And and yeah, all of a sudden, like uh, a few days later, uh, one of his friends just gives him a box of stuff from like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm moving. Here's some stuff. If you want it, you can take it. And what do you get inside the box? Like a few like movies like Cliffhanger, Speed and all of a sudden Bloody New Year's in there. Dude, he can't escape it. No. And so he got and he ended up selling it uh, because he didn't want to have it. He's like, I just feel nauseous every time I see that cover. It does something to me. There's like bad juju. And so what happened here? is uh, I finally ended up getting a copy off eBay on tape. And uh, when I got it, I showed Kevin, I got it. He's like, get that away from me. And so I ended up playing it on my VCR. The movie plays, but it keeps cutting out. And uh, what happened was like, once I played in there, like halfway through it, it just, it cuts to a soap opera. So someone must have recorded on their VCR. Oh no. A soap opera. So it's like, this movie just doesn't, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's it's bizarre. And and for someone else, like just randomly in the universe to say that, like, oh, that movie gave me anxiety and I got sick every time I saw the cover uh, for someone to have that experience. And for me, you know, not being able to find it for so long, it's just giving me so much trouble. Isn't that weird? I mean, that's the most bizarre thing I could think of with this movie. So that's why the cover still gives me the creeps, even though, it, you know, the cover's probably more infamous to me than the movie itself. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre, man. I got to say, I- I'm not going to say I'm disappointed in your story, but I was really hoping that the copy you would have bought would have been the one from the video store that was stolen or whatever. And then you tracked it down to a crime scene where somebody was beaten to death with the tape. But that's actually a great story because it's just those weird things 
things like in your life. You're like, ah, no, I don't fuck with that. Like to this day, check this out. I don't, I, you know, I'm obviously a weirdo prissy vegan boy, so I don't usually have cookies that have whatever, but cookies that have M&Ms in them, I have a direct aversion to because I had like a memory from 30 years ago and I talked to my dad about it and he was like, I don't remember that shit at all. And I'm like, yeah, but that <laughs> formed my fucking life, dude. I don't do this. And it's not that I'm afraid of them. It's just that like, that's the way my brain works now. So thanks for ruining me, father. But yeah, to your point, this like I can totally see how you'd be unsettled by this movie because it doesn't follow general tropes and it goes so long. Dude, somebody doesn't die on screen for over a half hour of a 90 minute film. That's so long. And so you're like trying to figure it out. And if you have it built up in your head with an admittedly like a super fun poster, I can imagine that like that tension could get to you pretty quick, right? Oh, it does. Yeah. And like I said, the cover, uh, it has nothing to do with the movie itself, but going from a standpoint, like for me, it's just, I don't think I've had a movie like that for me, but just when it plays in the background, like, or when I watch it, I don't know. I, I think with just the random imagery to me, like when Kevin told me that story about like the bloody new year stuff, when I watch it, it feels like the images from the ring, you know, that tape they watch where yeah. it's just like kind of cursed images it, it put onto film. If that makes sense. I can totally see that. And so like, let's talk about the kills. Th- there's the elevator kill always. Okay boiled kills fine the boat motor is pretty awesome and then there's like basically everything else is ghost what's your favorite one my favorite one is got to be uh the the farting wound yeah that's a pretty good one yeah. yeah i like the boat motor just because like i remember going fishing with my dad and thinking like that would be rad and i saw this movie before i saw piranha 3d so i hadn't seen ving rames pull out the boat motor and use it to chop up the piranhas if i had seen that already this would be boring because it cut away but i i really loved that imagery and it was just so fun you know imagine like discovering some kind of power tool or implement that hasn't been done in a movie before like that has to feel amazing right because like you think about it, you got driller killer texas chainsaw fucking hedge clipper massacre whatever you know like so to have something that's at least a little new is pretty great Oh, yeah. Yeah. Motorboat Massacre. See? Hey, there you go. New movie. Hey, but that has to, that has to have really big titty in that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's got to have motorboating while you're motorboat. He'll motorboat you while you're motorboat. There we go. Good tagline. <laughs> I love it. And so, like, are you comfortable recommending this film uh, to people? Or is this something where you're just like, eh, it's not worth it? You know what? I mean, just for the, my personal story alone, I would recommend it just to kind of see where I'm coming from in terms of, like, unsettling imagery um that doesn't make sense but if it if you're just a casual moviegoer and you have the choice of watching bloody new year what's another one there new year's evil i'd say go with this one because at least if you know the other ones are just kind of standard at least from the new year's movies i've seen they're just kind of standard slasher fare but this one will stick with you because it just doesn't make any fucking sense so i don't know if you wanted to ever uh you know take shots while just something random happens that they don't explain, you'll be you'll be on your deathbed 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So have you ever watched this film with someone else? Because I realized in, in your blurb right there, I've never watched this with anybody else. And I imagine if I watched this with, I could see with the right group of people, this movie being almost like a Rocky horror, like, oh shit, here's Gilly suit guy. Oh shit, here's the power. But like watching it alone, you're like, this is just weird. Yeah, it's it's something that uh, I don't know, like if if I was all by myself, like when I was younger and then uh, I have this playing on in the background, if uh, I'd probably be more embarrassed, like if this was on, I'd probably switch it to porn. If my mom walked in, I'm like, oh, hey, (laughs) (laughs) it would make more sense explaining it. No, mom, it's just the motorboat massacre. Leave me alone. Stop. I was just (laughs) cleaning it. Uh, yeah. And, and oh, if you want to have a good time, Jake's absolutely right. I think this film would be great for, for it to play in like a local, uh, like the Frida cinema theater or something like that yep. with an audience, it would make sense. But at home, it just, it's, it's almost unsettling. And I feel like if I watched it with, you know, my girlfriend, uh, cause she's all, she only watches these movies just cause I, I watch it myself. Yeah. Uh, so she, she's a tolerator. But if I was to watch this with her and like kind of build on like, oh, you know, this crazy, scary movie that scared me as a kid, I feel embarrassed afterwards. She's like, that was it. Yeah, like, and that's one of the things because I noticed that when I've watched it, I've either been hyper attentive or just like, what the fuck ever, you know, like today I was obviously hyper attentive because we were doing this episode, but there have been times where I've watched it and like, I'm doing 15 other things and I just look up for the images and that's kind of fun in its own right. But, you know, if it's not streaming anywhere, it's not incredibly convenient. This is not like a movie that I own or that I would pick up and put into a DVD player, like searching it on YouTube was a lot of effort for this movie. But uh, yeah, like kind of like what you're saying, where if you're showing this 
this to the uninformed horror fan. They don't get that like this is weird. They're just like, oh, this is just a horror movie I don't care about. So uh, what I mean by like right crowd is like if you and I watch this together, like we're we're indoctrinated mm-hmm. enough to be like, okay, yes, this is horror, but this is bizarre horror. Yeah, and I mean it doesn't even make sense because I don't even think the um the uh-huh, uh-huh, the artists, <laughs> you, you know, you, you know, the film snobs that are like this film is art. It's the quote David unquote Lynch. carrot waxers, as you referred to them. <laughs> the carrot waxer. Yeah, you got a waxer carrot. The one is like, oh yes, this is. It has to be shot in seventy millimeter. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> it must be directed by Martin Scorsese or Tarantino. You know, it has the, to be seventeen it, hours long, where nobody talks for twenty minutes at a time. Yeah, and uh, so that type of moviegoer, I don't even think would appreciate this because it's not tech. I mean, it's art, but it's it's not edited right. It feels very amateur at a lot of points. So I don't even think they'd appreciate it. So is it for the artful crowd? I can't say for sure. It's definitely for that midnight crowd that's drunk or high or, you know, uh, everyone's ready to just put their keys in a glass fishbowl and fuck while the movie's on in the background. I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one. And like, you know, it, you root for the movie kind of like to a certain extent. I, I every time I've watched it, I've been like, all right, like, wow me, you know, like, uh, like Tom Atkins in Night of the Creeps. Thrill me. And, Thrill me. you know, in varying degrees of success, but I definitely would recommend this movie. Like at the very least, you know, everybody's always heard me talk about that goddamn merit badge system when it comes to horror movies. And just to say you've seen it. But I think this goes like a little bit beyond that. Like it's there's enough meat on the bone. It might not be like savory, but it's super interesting. And it's great because how many times have you been able to have a conversation about a movie you didn't love? Because when I love a movie and you love a movie, it's just just going like, uh, uh, uh. but when, you know, we can sit here and go but wait was the maid like this or like was she a robot ghost like that's just so fascinating to me yeah definitely i mean this is even more bizarre than blood beat i i i'd say i was like, gonna say that but i didn't want to alienate everybody because people who watched it last week because i was like hold on what's more weird than a wisconsin samurai ghost that comes out when people be coming and then i see this movie and i'm like yeah there's a lot there <laughs> Yeah, this is this is more like people trying to be professional and saying, all right, let's add this. Let's add this. So literally, it's the term everything in the kitchen sink. Oh, yeah. Uh, the kitchen sink even tries to kill them. Yeah, right. <laughs> and how many God, how many damn times is it going to be like the ghost in the mirror? That gag happens. OK, so you got the girl with the pink dress. The guy when he's in like, well, I don't know if it's like a Nazi uniform, the girl who like picks up a goddamn mirror in a tr- like plane crash and sees the bombardier ghost behind him. I was like, man, that's just so fun that you did it that many times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the whole the whole thing with the um, like, like you said, when they go and have sex in that basement, yeah. like just ran randomly. It's like they just start having sex on like a filthy mattress. I was ready for like a hobo, like just sitting in the basement with his rum and his like teeth out. And he's going to say, hey, you want to go through? I got a bottle of gut burner and an old mattress down here. <laughs> Let, let's fuck. So, you know, dude, it's so <laughs> weird. And like, it's not horror enough. Like, it's another thing. Like, there's there's like the the banister like you said that's watching them and there's the sink but it's not really like it's a haunted house it's like there's ghosts in the house and i feel like more stuff that was like you know they're fucking on the mattress like the springs from the mattress start like coiling out and slithering up and grabbing them like that's something like that but then it's just like is it the house? Is it the ghost? Is it both? Is it neither? Is it the spy- sci-fi stuff? But I love. I mean, the more I'm talking about it, the more I'm like, kind of want to put this on again while I'm editing this episode. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question: If you die in a hotel and you become a ghost and you have to haunt that hotel, would you try to become a wooden duckhead stairs knob? <laughs> <sighs> you know, I might try it out. I'll say, but I definitely don't think that would be my permanent station. But okay, here's a question. Do you haunt the thing that killed you? And if so, how did the duck headed banister kill someone? Uh, it was a rough night in the anal cavity. Oh, no. <laughs> Some kid was sliding down the rail, going for its continental <laughs> breakfast at the hotel and thunk. Yeah. And it's got that British humor, too, because all of a sudden like that, you just it just he slides down. Then it cuts to the hospital. He has like the little rabbit ear ban- uh, bandages on his forehead <laughs> and he has bandages on his butt. And he has that duck head stare uh, knoll on the, up his ass. Yeah. Sorry. We've done everything we could to say. Oh, wait. He's British. Sorry. We've done everything we could to save him, but it looks like the ducks got the better of him. What? What? And then he slowly fades away. And it's a <laughs> fart that turns into a quack that echoes through eternity in time warp terror. 
Uh, see, there we go. Time warp tear. And then all of a sudden it, the camera cuts to the kid and the kid just looks at the camera and says, bollocks. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> yeah. If I had a blooming half pence for every time a mallard's done maladied my buttocks. Hey, that's a pretty good Dick Van Dyke or Dyke Van Dick. So <laughs> That's, of course, <laughs> the name of the star of the movie who dies via duck butt. <laughs> duck butt. Okay. Well, hey, hey, that's a hashtag. So when this episode comes out, hashtag duck butt. I love it. So, Doug, the last thing I want to touch on was the music. So you had Nick Magnus did music, but then you also had the band Cry No More. They had songs When Love Is Not Enough, Caveman Rock, and Recipe for Romance. Now, I have to ask you, Doug, I know this movie doesn't make sense, but does it wound your sense of sensibility that there is not a caveman ghost when there's a song Caveman Rock in the movie? I mean, I wish it was in there. That would just add to the topping. Yes. Because like I said, we got... We got the sheet ghost. We got the angry baby boomer ghost. We've got the party goer ghost. We've got duck butt ghost. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then we got airplane ghost. Granted, I wish they would have. And gilly man. And then uh, the tummy farting two face. And an evil tablecloth. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I I mean, I just got to say like this movie. Yeah, it's uh, the cry no more scenes. Actually, I like that song. The um, boy and girl go nowhere special. Yeah, that song sticks with me and it plays like six fucking times. Yeah, that's true. So it, you'll like it. And, and funny thing, I tried YouTubing that song and I couldn't find it. They had like a, they had like a slow version from the band, but not that one that's in the movie. Huh? Well, if you have it or if you have it on vinyl or some weird thing, you can always send it to us. So at gmail.com. I'll even send you the goddamn P.O. box. And then that way we can make Doug's life all the better so he could have a cursed VHS copy and a cursed vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, if you're lucky enough, I'll send you my cursed VHS copy. Yeah, right. Because- or unlucky enough. Yeah, I'm lucky enough because, well, I mean, if anything weird happened, I guess that maybe caused the pandemic of 2020. There we go. It was all (laughs) Doug's fault. He watched Bloody New Year on December 31st, 2019, and chaos magic ensued. Yeah, yeah, that's so you got to use that joke more Um, on my YouTube channel. I did a video when I went to go visit Robert the doll in Key West, Florida. That really haunted doll with the dog. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to even get it, it. Like the whole thing is you're not supposed to film it. You're not supposed to get take pictures. And I posted the video and then I keep getting comments even to this day. still saying, I'm sorry, Robert, for watching the video. Please don't curse me. I'm sorry, Robert. And then all someone says, did you die? Anything bad happen? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I didn't die. But uh, the pandemic happens. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I gotta say, yeah, I that- love superstition and I love technological superstition. Like that's like one of the things I love so much about like the ring where it's, you know, is it supernatural or whatever? And that's one of the things that's almost cool about this movie where it's like, it's almost time traveling ghost people, but then it's just kind of a haunted house. Yeah. Well, see, it just doesn't make sense. And that adds to the creep factor, I think, because you watch it like someone says, oh, this movie just has bad juju. It's cursed. You watch it. It just feels like the ring because it's just jumbled sequences that make no sense. Yeah, but I like it. and I'm glad you like it, too. So next segment I'm going to be doing is with Adrian. We're going to talk about New Year's Evil. So that was me talking with Doug about Bloody New Year. And this is me talking with Adrian about New Year's Evil. Now, I have to ask you, aside from sounding like a wrestling pay-per-view, what do you think of the name of this film? I think it's clever. I think it's cute. You know, I like that they have a theme song. So that's also fun, too. Branding. I mean, it goes to the pro wrestling thing, right? Pay-per-views have theme songs. Wrestlers have theme songs. I feel like if you replace the gimmicky MTV show with like a rock and wrestling, I'm way more into this movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I actually don't let me forget the quote I found because I need to share the quote that I found on this movie or the the quote unquote review. Okay. Uh, We'll talk about that later. Are you sure you don't want to share it now? Because I might forget to remind you and that would. So remind me to remind you if you don't mind. (laughs) Okay. No, no, no. It's um, from Variety. And they said that um, the true horror of New Year's Evil is the endless musical numbers by punk rockers and shots of their dancing fans. Amongst that, the bloody killing seem a welcome relief. Holy shit. That seems awfully mean-spirited, doesn't it? I thought the music was the best part. Truly. Oh my god, they're so mean. Yeah, so. I completely agree with that. And also, I fucking hate in movies where people like Wonder Woman 84 or whatever, right? Where it's like, you kids are dressed up in your bad brain stuff and you're punk rockers. But then it's like, no punk rock kid is listening to Shadow. Like that buzz, that bass is way too fuzzy, not enough crunchy or chunky 
not to get on a soapbox about it, but you're going to bring up an old review. I'll bring up an old review. Roger Ebert said, and I quote, New Year's Evil is not, I repeat, a good movie or even a very good thriller. It's just barely competent, but at least it subscribes to the old fashioned standards of traditional schlock. And at the movies these days, you're relieved if you're not actually feeding entrails to zombies. I'm like, well, I feel like a little zombie eating would be fine, but this is a very, the, the quintessence of my opinion on this movie is like, it's fine. But yeah. my thesis going into this, this movie is better with age because I guarantee when this movie came out, I was like, whatever. But the whole like incel added like the small dick energy radiating from the Y chromosomes in the Sullivan family is like, yes, dude, like this yeah. is this is now this is here. Yeah, yeah. I really, I just, I, I, for the time, I thought it was pretty clever as, as well. There were clever things about it. I mean, I know that my notes seem to, you know, steer a little bit towards the negative, but I feel like it's a little bit ahead of its time as far as like the, the female protagonist. She's very, she's very like headstrong and she's, she's sexy and she does this raunchy, quote unquote raunchy. And I say raunchy because people think that, you know, she deserves it because of her show, right? Remember yeah. they say it's the beginning. And I'm like, no. Basically, it's like you invited this and it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I know I invited somebody to, to kill other people and kill me on New Year's Eve. Like, hello, I'm supposed to be having fun tonight, not to be you know worried about the murder. So. And it's interesting, too, because she's kind of I mean, she's not like gilfy, but she's milfy. And to have a woman be the protagonist having she's at least a mom of at least a teenager will say you know the idea of like an aging out star starlet whatever you want to call it who's at least like long-standing enough in the you know in the world of professional media as blaze so much so that like it's like casting a shadow over her son that's a whole interesting element too like when i was talking to eva haberman last month talking about like you know women who are 40 plus it becomes a, like you're either you know, Tony Collette or your Angela Lansbury. And there's a whole gap in between. That's a whole interesting element too. that, you know, and she's vulnerable, right? They're like, Hey, yeah. people were murdered who you don't know. Are you okay? Versus in like horror movies where we're like, Oh dude, that chick just saw her boyfriend disemboweled. She should probably get the fuck over it and start running. Huh? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. So I, I, I enjoyed it. And especially because I watched them both yesterday. After watching uh, Blood New Year, I have a whole more, like, this much more respect for New Year's <laughs> Evil. So I'm so happy that I picked this one because I'm like, oh, watch them both. It's fine. Obviously, you and Doug talked about Blood New Year already. But yeah, no, I really liked it. I thought this one was fun. I liked, I thought the acting was pretty well done. Um, and especially the uh, the killer. I kind of didn't like that they showed his face. At the beginning, but it's kind of like a, what, a Ted Bundy type thing, type deal going on with him because yeah. he's not a bad looking guy. Yeah, right? dude. And so Especially when he puts on that fake ass be... mustache. God damn it. <laughs> I know, right? That's so 80s. He's got like a Burt Reynolds thing going on. God and damn, just Tom like, Selleck. I know, right? So I'm just like, I understand why these people are so like ready to trust him, right? Because... You know, he's not a bad looking guy and it kind of sucks for her. Like I felt, I felt so badly for her when she finally realizes that, oh my God, he's a fucking psycho. Because what does that do to you? Someone that you love and you trust and you, you have a child with and you like, you know, he, she's married to him for a long time. Right. Yeah. So like her, their son is a grown ass man. How do you go that long? And this real this happens in real life because, you know, people try to kill their spouses like 25, 30 years into marriage. Yeah. Like, how the fuck do you live with a psycho that long? And like, like, what does that do to you to like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking too much into this. That's just no, a that's huge movie. point. And <laughs> one of the things that frustrates me is how they don't really delve into the whole small dick energy, like family tie, because, mm -mm. you know, it's almost like a Manchurian candidate kind of thing, right? Because the son he just hears about these murders or whatever, and he's like putting stockings on his head and wearing Cyclops's visor from the X-Men and he's like ah! <laughs> but like when you just see that you're like okay this kid's fucking weird this kid is not fucking weird this kid was bred and born and you kind of realize it at the end when the dad's talking to Blaze the American gladiator whatever Mrs. Sullivan he's talking to her yeah. about like oh well we talked about you and he told me this and this and you kind of get it but it's almost like an excuse versus like this is the construct this kid is fucking corrupted and then i think if you did that the payoff of the very end is much greater 
Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Because, you know, I almost felt like he was a needed. And yeah, I mean, I guess he's good. at His character serves the purpose and I don't want to give the ending away. But throughout the movie, I'm like, we could have done without him. Like Less or more. Either don't include him or include him more, I think. Because there was almost, at, at the beginning, it's almost like, is he the killer? Because he kind of looked like it. And I was like, ah, oh, no, they're just father and son. And then does he know that it's his dad? That Because that's another thing that's kind of implied mm-hmm. is like he might fully be there. And then he has the weird soliloquy where he's like, oh, yeah, you think I'm fucking crazy. And it's like, yes, you yes, you are crazy. Yes, that is. Yeah, no. I, I, yeah, for sure. And so it was just bizarre. Yeah, maybe more of him and just kind of had, if they made him more like, I guess, what is it? The red herring where we know or we kind of think, OK, it's got to be him like that. Yeah. They didn't even do that, though. So, um, you know, there are obviously there were problems with how things went. But overall, I thought it was a decent movie. I mean, it was pretty scary. I did scream at that uh, part where the chick is coming out of the liquor store and she's following her friend's clothes. And then she sees the sleeve in the in the dumpster. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's <laughs> and good. I just thought she was trying her body. I didn't know that he'd still be in there because I figured he just wanted the one, yeah. quote unquote, bad girl. Because there are holes in it, right? Like he says he only wants to kill the bad girls. But he kills a few men in the movie, too, that are just in his way. So I don't think there's any rhyme or reason for what he really does. I think it's just an excuse, like you said. So. Yeah. Well, the cop just gets a brick to the dome, which is like, come on. A couple of these things, like, give me some gore, goddammit. Like, when the first stab with the little switchblade, I was like, really? That's it? And then, sure, we get the aftermath of it, but it's just kind of like... Not that I'm a gore whore or anything, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not really horrific. It's a, it's a cop-out. Like, you could put that on CBS on a Saturday night movie. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, because some of the reviews that I read, I think one of them was from Siskel or the other one, I can't remember. But they're like, oh, it's bloody for no reason. I'm like... Was it bloody? Was it bloody? Do you think it was bloody? Yeah, he stabbed her in the boob, but I don't even think they showed that. I just think they showed the stab wounds on her boob, and then there was like no blood coming out of it. So, whatever. This is a a pretty quick adopter to the like the motif of holiday horror right because you had halloween in 78 you have this in 80 things get kind of wacko from here so it's pretty good for how early in that genre it is right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's trying which is i give it a lot of credit like i said like i don't think it was good at the time but i think that like it's almost this weird predictor of how like culture deviated no for sure um and even like i i as far as like the acting goes like i don't really even think that it's that hokey like I like I like Ross Kelly in this place, right? Yeah. I really liked her. I thought the two chicks in the car were great. I even like Kip Nevin, the guy who plays the killer, because like yeah. you know, he has a very Patrick Bateman vibe to him. And it's yes. good. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned that because there was like for the longest time, like, who does he remind me of? Like on the tip of my tongue. So yeah. So, you know, I mean it, it does use some of the same tropes, like, you know, prank phone calls, whatever. I did think it was a cool concept, but the audience could hear it. Yeah. Like how she's doing the show is really cool. Like I feel if they redid this movie, they could really do well with it. Like if they remade it, they could probably fix some of the yeah, you know, the issues with it. Put it on Twitch, right? She's streaming. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we're gonna do this New Year's thing, and then she has like some mansplaining producer who's like, "Look, chick, you're safe at home. Don't even trip about it. We have sponsors. We have to get this going. So just nut the fuck up and keep going." And she's like, "I'm really emotionally damaged right now because that's something that I think is really relative." and just keep moving like you could easily do this today and you know we had talked about with black christmas like modernizing it using cell phones and shit and like uh dming people or whatever and that kind of i don't think this is that far from it because like the whole mtv culture it it was kind of like a gimmick tv that was popular and that's what streaming is to me it feels like now right yeah it it could totally work now and and even if you wanted to set it back in the day you could or even back in the 90s you could set it in the 90s like how fun would that be i know you don't like the 90s but um even then like just far enough or even early 2000s, far enough away to where our technology hasn't gone as far as it is now. Yeah. Um, it could definitely work. So, and I do like the fact that she took it seriously right off the bat. Cause most people are like, mm, must've been a prank phone call. Like yeah. she literally got off the stage and she's like, what the fuck? So it harkens back her. to black Christmas in a lot of ways. Like it's not one for one. doesn't feel like a ripoff, but there's certain parallels. And, and the fact that she's like basically subjugated and just disregarded pretty quickly. And then she gets to be proven right. And then even then, they're still not involving her. They're just having her like there, like they're using her as a prop rather than relying on her as a person. Right. Cause he's like, yeah. basically like, Hey toots, can you just keep this dude on the phone? He's not like, Hey, I know this is going to be emotionally torturous for you. Let's talk. Let's work together. It's just basically like, do me a fucking solid and stop being a bitch. 
yeah. And again, they're blaming her anyway yeah. for this, right? So would you look how she was dressed in that neighborhood? That's if essentially what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And I'm not surprised, and especially for the time. And one of the things though I really did love about the movie though was how 80s it was. Right? Oh, yeah. So I mean, it was just, you know, quintessentially 80s, and especially for being 1980, because you always feel, and I wrote this down, you ever notice like a lot of the the 80s horror, early 80s, especially, it still feels like very 70s. Very 70s, yeah. Pacing and, and looks and bell bottoms. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Bell bottoms are not allowed after 1980. Thank you. I know. And like the hair and everything like that, like this was definitely 80s. And so I don't know, maybe because it was set in, in the city, you know, it was in LA or whatever. And if that helped it out, but I, I really appreciate the fact that it was very, like very how, you know, the 80s was, especially with the hair and her makeup, like her blush was ridiculous. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, I was going to do my blush like that just to see <laughs> if you notice. Um, Cause I'm like, she's so great. Like I loved her. Um, what a great, like a final girl, I would say. So I, I yeah. thought she was awesome. She is. And one of the things that's huge, touching on what you're talking about, when you go from the 80s, people think of like 80s horror. A lot of people think like 87, you know, you got the Monster Squad, you have uh, mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2, you have all these movies where the tropes of the the decade are a lot more established, where this feels like it hits it right from the beginning. So that's one of the things I had to stop and seriously look, oh, this comes out 19, oh, like a day or so before 81, right? And it's like, yeah. holy shit, like that's really early. And you saw when they filmed it too. They filmed it in like October of the same year, which is nuts. So, yeah, they got it done in like a few months. Like it, I, I thought it w- they did a good job for that. So good for them. And it's an LA movie that feels like an LA movie without being like, "Here's the Hollywood sign," and here's the Man Chinese Theater. Like as a guy who's grown up in Southern California, it's like, oh yeah, this totally this is Southern California. I totally get that. Okay, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've never been to LA, but yeah, I would assume it smells like pee. Yay. I <laughs> can't wait to go. New t-shirt <laughs> idea. LA smells like pee. Hot take. <laughs> I'll be sure to mention that to anybody who wants to go. So I, I don't know. So did you want to talk about anything else? Before? I, I have so many things to talk about with this movie. Like I really enjoyed it. And what's one of the things that's yeah. kind of funny, like with Bloody New Year, I really had a lot of fun with it. Like it's just weird enigma. And so that <laughs> movie's so fun because yeah. Yeah, it's so <laughs> unpredictable. And this movie's fun because it's like predictable, but I like it. Like it's it was well done. It's just not, it's not great, but I enjoyed it. And I think one of the reasons I give it a lot of credence is because it references Blood Feast by Herschel Gordon Lewis, which was supposed to be the predecessor of One Blood Diner, which is probably my favorite movie that we found through the show. So yeah, it's, it's in the family. Oh, that's really cool. I did not know that. It's at the drive-in. Oh, oh, not the band. Sorry. Just to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> don't get don't get your one arm scissors out anybody oh deep cuts uh, <laughs> my god do we need to pause for a second okay but yeah and by the way blood diner um never watched it until i heard your uh fangirling on it and and i did love it a lot so that was a, that was a really good time do you know how many people have reached out to me like that like dude you need to shut the fuck up about this movie i'm finally gonna watch it and then they come back like oh even with you hyping it up as the best movie ever it's kind of the best movie ever yeah, no, it was great. And I, I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, but it had, it had everything that you'd want in a movie for a bit shocky, funny horror movie. But I thought it was like actually decent, like good. So yeah, so if, if we're going to put all of those in the same family, I would say, yeah, if you like Blood Diner, then you'll definitely like this one. And uh, what about that mask at the end? Like, I love that fucking mask. And where did that come from? Like, what if he had worn it throughout the whole movie? Like, I, I don't, don't know. Like How would that change it? Yeah, I don't know if, I, if it's like, sometimes like I, I kind of wanted to see more of that mask, though. I did because he only wore it for a little bit. I wanted it to be a callback to something. Like maybe they have a flashback where his like the levy breaks in his brain and crazy just comes loose where it's like on Halloween or something like that. And he like catches yeah. her cheating or something. And so it's like permanently scarred. So there's like some significance to it because that mask rules so hard. Like how is that yeah. mask so expressive, right? Like when he's I on know. the roof, that mask is emoting before he. Pew, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which some uh, of the best worst dummy work I've ever seen in my life. I've come on. Yeah, no, they did. I mean, for what it was, I, I thought they did a great job. Like, I, and that mask was so scary. Like, it was like when he put it on, I was like, oh no! Like, I'm sitting here with my laptop. Like, what is? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I just it legitimately, it, it did scare me a little bit. And sometimes like surpri- surprise me or whatever. I, I don't want to say like, this is the most frightening movie ever, but just like thinking about that mess now and the way it's like side eye, like, oh, uh, uh, like, and what, what was he thinking? Just walking up behind her thinking that'd be funny. And like, what the fuck? Yeah. So the mask itself is a parody of it's a Laurel and Hardy mask and it's the okay. Stan Laurel Caesar mask. And so you can okay. find them online and a lot of them, you know, it's recreations and stuff, but it is so interesting because what was the mask that was paired up with that one was the Hardy mask where he has the, the little, uh, Adolfo mustache. So I'm really glad they chose this one instead of that, for sure. I like your take on that. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this is also, like I'm the guy who branded the whole show with my love of Marx Brothers. I like the Abbott and Costello films are amazing. I really love that like vaudeville jams. And so this mm-hmm. immediately like has this throwback to film and the golden age. And this could have been such a good story plot you know like this this is clearly distinct and you know what it is when you see it Mm -hmm. it's a step beyond like a white painted shatner mask there's a significance to this and i wish that like established me he's a failed actor and his he's clearly been dependent on her financially like maybe just a little tweak in the story makes it more intriguing right yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Like, I obviously, if they they filmed it that quickly, I mean, there's going to be some plot holes. Like, maybe yeah. if they'd taken more time with this um, and actually fleshed it out a little bit more, it could be, it could have, it could be so much more. Like, we could be talking about, like, we were talking about Black Christmas and, and those types of classics, right? Like, it was like, like so close. Like, it was like right there. Yeah. At, at, yeah. This is a movie where, like, I don't want to see it remade by any stretch of the means, but I would like to see this movie like 1.2, where it's, you know, like uh, refined a little bit more. Like, let's do a director's cut and a Snyder cut, if you will. Like, everybody back together. Do like an extra fifteen minutes of filming, <laughs> then put it out periodically in episodic content. Yeah, there you go. I mean, something. Like, give it something. Um, but yeah, the the reviews on this were hilarious. Like, I mean, virtually nobody liked it. Yeah, right. Like everybody shits on. It. I think it got like a fourteen percent according to Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, this is not a fourteen percenter, dude. Like, well, did you see it was based on like seven reviews though? So seven people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. As a <laughs> I was like, that's so sad. I mean, there has to be more than seven people have seen this movie. Um, and what's weird, though, is a lot of modern takes on it are basically like, don't waste your time. I'm like, no, definitely waste your time. Like, yeah, I, I think that you should watch both the movies for this week's episode. Bloody New Year is great in the just like I said, the paradoxical what the fuckery. And this is yeah. great because it's like this comes really quick in the slasher genre pretty early on. There's not a whole lot to draw on. And it does a fairly good job of establishing tropes that like I like we didn't talk about this. The whole phone call thing where he's using yeah. the voice like the phantom scream. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, for sure. Had they done that before? I'm trying to think. Are there phone calls in there besides uh, Black Christmas? Well, they had done like the voice modulation. Like they even referenced the Phantom of yeah. the Paradise. So, like there's stuff like that or people using the voice or whatever or, you yeah. know, the exorcist and stuff where it's a different voice coming out. But I don't know. I think it was effective in this one. And what's interesting is like all of these actors are basically like TV actors, like Roz mm-hmm. Kelly. So the shooting schedule being so tight and so short. Like it's kind of awesome. Like I, when I talked to all of our you know friends from the movie Sist, so many of them had TV experience. It was like, all right, yeah, we have 14 days. Let's get it the fuck done. And there's a lot in this movie when you think about. Like, obviously, the special effects aren't that great. It's not very grand in its production. When you think about it, there's a lot of locations for a movie of this runtime and everything. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I have like a big scope. I mean, he was in a, a different place every time. It's the whole drive-in thing. What the fuck was going on there? Like that was like, right? <laughs> like that was like a whole thing. Like it was a whole other movie when he got to the drive-in. So I, I feel like they they used you know the whole LA scene like to their advantage. Because yeah. um, I, I can't imagine that they were shooting on set for some of those places like outside. Like I don't know. I, I don't do movies, so maybe I could I could be wrong. I don't know. Like imagine getting a permit to shoot in an alley. Like that's just any alley, which is kind of interesting. But that's what I mean. It feels like a very LA movie in that regard, like without, like I said, being so overt as like, oh, here's Ruby's diner or whatever the fuck. Now, yeah. the, the movie itself, the director, can I briefly detour the conversation to talk about Juan Emmett Alston? Sure, yeah, go ahead. I'm really sad. I have to confide yeah. in you that I'm sad. 
because oh. this guy did one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movies that he directed, three of which have ninja in the title. And Ninja Years Evil might be better if you're asking me because <laughs> he did Nine Deaths of the Ninja, Force of the Ninja and Little Ninjas. And I just love that. He also did Three Way Weekend, which is like a cheeky hoo hoo. But he did mm. Demon Warp. Have you ever seen Demon Warp? Mm -mm. It is not good, but yeah. I do like that movie. I'll tell <laughs> well, you plainly. I, was reading, I was reading somewhere. I don't know if it was this guy or the, the, the other one from Blood and Air, but something about sex movies or something with like sex in them. Was that was this him? Was this Emmett? Uh, they actually both had done it. So the director for oh, okay. Norman J. Warren <laughs> had done other like sexy romp movies. It was the uh, oh, okay. yeah. Outer Touch. And so it's kind of like a Porky's type vibe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. But I guess if they both did it, then I don't feel so bad getting them mixed up. I see you've added some notes here. I do that from time to time. So uh, we'll also do another comparison. So we have pervert directors. We also have original music like we talked about. <laughs> so that movie had the band Cry No More. This one had Shadow. And so okay. in terms of theme songs, I love this fuzzy bass line. We talked about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. I, I loved that. I thought that was the best part of the movie. It was the music. And they play it like 15 times, but it doesn't wear out as welcome to me. No, no, I think it's great. Um, do I think it's, I, that doesn't really feel very punk to me, but you know, I yeah. guess when they showed him, he had his little David Bowie vibe going on. So I'm like, not really sure what's happening here, but was that the real band in the movie? As far as I know, yes. Because when I looked it up on YouTube, it had that title. So okay. if you want to talk about like the legacy of punk rock and bass guitar, some of the most famous bass guitarists were terrible. Sid Vicious was so bad at playing bass guitar, very often they would not turn on his amp. So having a fuzzy <laughs> bass line that's that good and catchy, that's certainly not punk rock. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, there you go. And then there was a couple other bands that they show. Oh, my God. The um, Why can I think of it? The, the one with the with the culturally appropriated name what was it oh made in japan oh yes <laughs> yeah i'm like what is going on here? so yeah it's a it's a little dated people it's a little dated because <laughs> i think they had one song called bonsai something or i can't remember now what if what if we do this what if we do an amalgamation and they have do they just bring in four more guitarists and they made it iron made in japan <laughs> oh, your dad jokes. I love that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Funny you mentioned dad jokes. So Two Cellos does a great cover of The Trooper. They call it The Trooper Overture because it starts off with the William Tell Overture. So both of my kids, when I've been like rocking them to sleep, and so it goes into that. Highly recommend it. Completely tangential. Let's keep moving. The guy who wrote the goddamn movie, this killed his career. Like he just never worked again. And he had really kind of tenuously worked before this. Leonard Neubauer, he had done Black Snake, but then everything else was basically TV movies and stuff. And so okay. if you're going to go out, this isn't the worst way to be done. No, no. I mean, the movie, the movie flows like nicely. I don't think it ever really drags. I, I feel like, you know, I feel, I feel like a little bit like Blood New Year sometimes drags, but um, like, I don't feel like it drags. I like the, the, the dialogue works. I mean, it's kind of sad. He probably could have done more movies with this style. Yeah. And it's structured well, you know, like yeah. we had talked about with Bloody New Year. That's not a New Year's movie. They just basically slapped on that name. It was, you know, at one point it was Time Warp Terror. That's one of the, you know, things of like marketing, kind of like we talked about with Black Christmas 2019. Hey, we're going to steal some metadata and make this a little easier. This movie yeah. needs to take place on New Year's because they do the time zone thing. What do you think of the yeah. structure? Because I really enjoyed like the archetype, like the ticking clock is always moving. Yeah, exactly. That was great. I mean, especially like they knew when someone else was coming up. So like, you knew, okay, another kill is going to come at this time. And so, you know, I... I I thought it was clever. I thought that was clever for the killer to do that because that takes like, you know, like some planning and some thought, right? So, and then he even gets like pissed off like in the car. Remember, he's with the girls and he's like, I'm running late. Yeah. And I think that like, he's just bitch. worried about his party. It's <laughs> so mad his mustache almost falls off. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, he's like running late to kill them. So yeah. sad. So The little white rabbit. I'm late for a very important date. Switchblade stab. I know. Oh my gosh. So it was a good, I, I liked it. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really schlocky. I put it in the trash pile. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
after I saw Blood New Year, I'm like, we could probably go up a few pegs. So thank you, Don, for taking one for the team for yeah. me. <laughs> well, so even with Bloody New Year, like I enjoy that movie in its own like weird way. Like it's a movie, like I, I said on that episode or that segment. I'm really glad that it's structured in the New Year vibe because I would never have watched it again. You know, there's no like this movie I'll watch when it's New Year's. That movie I'll watch when it's New Year's. And I'm grateful for that kind of framing because they're both fun, competent movies to their own extent. Like Obviously, that one just leaves so many questions and it's so weird. But this shows like I was I've been reading this book that my wife got me for Christmas where it's a bunch of essays from horror writers. And I was reading one and the guy was basically like horror is my favorite genre because it's not a genre like it's. 50 subgenres. You have black horror. You have sci-fi horror. There's all these different things. You have, you know, pulp horror, if you will. And so you can break mm-hmm. it down. And here's a great example of like these movies came out relatively the same time, at least the same decade. You have, uh, but they have their own everything. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that element of just being able to be as weird as you can. Yeah, no, for sure. Especially with the, with this one, like just the, the whole vibe of the movie for me, I, I just loved like the whole, all the, I can, I'm like, I'm drawing a blank when it comes to um, adjectives today. Sorry, I've been off, uh, but you know, I just like the whole vibe of this one. It's, it, it's fun. It's eighties. It goes fast. It's only like what? 87 minutes. Yeah. I I had it at 85, but I think that 85? that's without credit. So also it's on Amazon prime. So both of the yeah. movies for this week, you can watch for free online yeah the, yeah the, the bloody new year was on youtube right so yep. yeah no especially with the fact that it's on prime there's no reason not to watch it yeah so if you have nothing to do just put it on and honestly like the fact that it is as structured it is gives you the same excuse like so when you're watching bloody new year you can put that on in the background and just kind of do whatever because the story structure doesn't really matter here is the opposite where it is so structured where i could skip five minutes i could skip this the central time zone kills and still come back at the end and pay attention and i get the full movie and that's one of the things mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And so, going yeah. back to the cast, we said we liked everybody. I have to mention this: Grant Kramer of Killer Clowns from Outer Space is in this fucking movie. That's mm-hmm. rad. This was his film debut. The the uh, I'm the kid with issues and Cyclops glasses. Oh, I thought I knew him from somewhere. Exactly. Okay. I didn't realize yeah. it until I looked at his IMDb. Yeah, because I was looking at the other ones. The other ones, I feel like I was reading some. Um, Step operas or something or something otherwise, but they nobody really seemed uh somebody jumped out at me, so I didn't bother continue looking. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of TV acting. And so, you know, he's Mike from Killer Clowns Outer Space. So he's the very handsome guy. And in this one, he has such a boyish face, and it's so funny how eight years changes him because he's like chiseled in that. And then here he's kind of got like a little cherubic. Oh poor me, I'm a little actor boy. Uh yeah. I like that. I think we um, He's the only one I was like, okay, let me just stop paying attention when he comes on. Like, I'm sick of his crying. So, yeah, right. <laughs> Goodbye now. Uh, what did you think about the black punk guy who had tape for clothing? That was interesting. Yeah, that was fun. Again, like, this was so, like, fun. Like, I love the costumes and just, you know, the whole aesthetic of the entire movie. It just, like, it was visually, visually to watch it. I thought it was, uh, it was a good time. Are you going to wear that for Halloween? Well, um, I, if I did that cosplay, I think I'd end up in the same problem that we talked about many moons ago with the panthro, where I don't think I'm oh. allowed to wear that outfit without <laughs> some implications. So I'll be over here being lion or the guy in the Laurel and Hardy mask because I know that I don't even have to address that topic. I'm not going to Trudeau. Not happening. Okay. Not that, not that he's black, but the tape. Oh, forget it. Anyway. Well, because then they're going to uh, be like, hey, are you culturally appropriating that tape? And I'm going to be like, ah, uh, I'm... Mm. <laughs> Whatever you say, Jake. Whatever you say. I'm going to run for office one day. And I have a squeaky clean record of never saying anything controversial or provocative. And I can't certainly throw my political career uh, and aspirations away for one costume. Because that fucking is so professional. I always forget. Hey, it, it is a multi-million dollar industry in this. There are lube companies. That, uh, don't get me started. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Um, I used to say raw dogging, but that's politically incorrect because I'm all about safe sex. Wrap up your junk and then put it inside of a butthole. Oh, my God. That was so gross. That's my 2024 campaign slogan. Is that not appropriate? No, I think that's great. I think you should definitely do it, considering what we've had. Um, you would be uh, PG rated. So yeah, and I not to make fun of anybody uh, for their ailments, but I've never broken a foot taking three steps out of a shower. So just saying, if I'm ever having a foot race, the Prime Minister of Canada I stand a chance. 
Hey, don't knock people who hurt their feet. That's not, that's like, that's like a, uh, <laughs> discrimination. For those of you who don't know, uh, AIDS had the blackest withered foot that's ever happened. Oh, well, it's not withered. It's inflated. Then it's withered. And then basically yeah. she's been rear windowing watching these new year's movies on her couch through binoculars. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, where am I going to go? I'm going to where to fucking go. Just to get everything set up was a whole feat today. So Feet. Anyway. Ah, puns there. Ah, mean too. My dad jokes have rubbed off on you. They have. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, before we forget, though, last thing. The best line in the movie when he's like replaying that shit to her in the elevator. Oh, and he's the like, modern technology. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this fucking movie. It was so good. It was so good. So. What's amazing with that is I was like, dude, just wait till the small fucker sees what a yak back is in the 90s. Do you remember oh yak backs? God. Yeah, yeah. Like, wasn't it where you, like, a replay, like, the little thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or you take Macaulay that. Culkin's little, uh, yeah, the, um, talk boy. There we talk go. Girl. Talk girl, if you were a girl, you had a pink one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> which I was never allowed to have. So, anyways. Not better, not better. Ooh, cranky Thoras. You know, you can actually buy one of those with the money you make through your occupation as an adult. Oh, really? You're allowed to do that. Oh, eBay for sure has them all. Well, yeah, but you know, if I wanted to record somebody, I would just use my phone now. So That's boring. Maybe there's a Top Girl app. If there's not, we should try and make one. Oh, we should. How do people make apps? Anyway. The theme of this month, if you haven't picked up on it, is New Year's New Movies, where it's not necessarily a new movie. It just has new in the title. So stay tuned. We have a bunch of fun shit coming at you. Our Patreon bonus episode this month is going to be a fun experiment. And I'm really excited about the stuff ahead. We have the Redbubble, which has a bunch of merchandise. I don't know if we're going to be on Redbubble forever because they kind of suck butts. Oh, sorry. That's against the terms of use to say that they suck butts. But whatever. We have merch available. If you click the link in the description or bio of any of our stuff, you can find it. It's quite easy. If you want to help the show grow and develop and and nurture us as a fledgling that starts to spread its wings, just leave us a goddamn review. It takes two seconds. And, you know, if you want to call me a bug man and give me a one star review, fine. That still helps the metadata. And it gives me something to talk about for weeks on end because it's the most batshit thing I've ever heard of, which is hilarious because I had never even seen that review for the first like four months it was up. And I saw it. I'm like, I'm a bug man. But anyway, you can find us all on social media. We have Pathologically ADE. You have Gacy Jones. You have Other Boy Art. You have Doug Bazaar. You could just nurture us. We'll nurture you. You can suckle at my teat of butt fucking and I'll do whatever. And, and let, me, let me just say, Jake just rubbed his nipples when he said that. So. It was actually more of a pinch and a tweak. <laughs> but yeah, if you want to call me out, you know, it's not a video medium anymore. But also... I had to. If you guys do want to patronize us and do this, it helps. And we could go back to doing video at some point. It just right now, it's like, why am I going to bother? But I'd love to be able to give you the content you want. So reach out to us at slash at gmail.com or however, and we'll, we'll give you what you want, what you need, mm-hmm. what satisfies sure. the soul and the butthole. <laughs> so my name is Jake. Goodbye and good die. <laughs>